millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Mentor. This week, we're talking about the hospitality industry and how it's a tough place to run a business. Over the last 10 years, we've seen countless restaurants open and close. We've all seen them. Not necessarily, by the way, because of bad food, but because of poor financial management and, of course, difficult economic conditions. It doesn't get any easier when you factor things like council and state government regulations. So my guest today to talk about all of it is Antonio Rogarino. He runs Verde Restaurant in East Sydney. Now, by the way, I know this guy. I've eaten at his restaurant. He's been in that game at that restaurant for the last 12 years, so he's been through it all. He's got many stories about councils and government making life difficult and the changes that are happening within people's dining and nightlife habits. There's a lot of change. Plenty to talk about, so let's get into it. Antonio, welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. I've been in your lovely restaurant, Verde, down there in East Sydney in, uh, what's that? Um, what's the name of the street there? Stanley Street. Stanley Street, where all the restaurants are. There's lots of heaps of restaurants down there. It's been my hunting ground for many, many years. Mate, tell me about your background in the restaurant game as a chef and also running your own restaurant. Oh, I've been a chef since I was 16, so a few years ago. Um, hit Stanley Street in 2007, uh, well, 2006, developed for a year. Uh, opened up in 2007, October, so 10th year anniversary this year, or oh, this month. Yeah. Well, not many blokes can say that in restaurant game. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, uh, it's, it's a great industry to be in. I love it. Love it. Meeting people, um, creating what you create, and, um, and you know, it's always different, always meeting people. It's, it's a great thing. Mate, I, I, one of the things I, 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 I think is a mantra, I'm not sure about this, but you tell me, um, if you're going to open up a restaurant, let's put cafes and all that sort of stuff. So just, we're talking about restaurant here and bar, restaurant bar. You shouldn't do it unless you're at least a chef. In other words... You know exactly how the cooking gets done. No doubt. I would never, ever, ever do it um, uh, any other way. Um, you know, the, the, every department in the, in, the, in the restaurant is very important, but the kitchen itself, if the food's not good or consistent, um, you just won't make it. Yeah, it so, and, and what took you from being a chef then to being a, an owner chef? All right, so I started chefing when I was 16, um, and then I was doing that until I was 22. Then I opened up two different businesses, customer service businesses. So I was self-employed at the age of 22 with other businesses. Um, I did eight years of um, out of the kitchen, out of the restaurant, running other businesses. So then I got involved in 2006 in a restaurant. So basically for me, I was very lucky, not only a chef, but I was actually a business owner of, of a couple of different businesses, which is a mobile phone store when mobile phones first started um, in Bondi 
Junction, and then I had an art gallery for uh, five and a half years. So traveled the world buying art and um, selling art. So my whole database was in the eastern suburbs since I was 22. Um, <clears throat> then I finally, you know, restaurant was always a dream. So um, a couple of family members and myself ended up in Stanley Street, bought the property we we're in, hence why my investments have uh, been... Um, uh, it's 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 a massive investment to actually buy a property, uh, gut it out for a year, spend quite a few million dollars, and then try and make it work. Um, so you so, own you own the restaurant, the, the 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 terrace restaurant on the corner, like that's correct. And do you own the cafe next door too? I do. I own the, okay, yeah, so you've got buildings. a cafe type thing downstairs, yep. and they've got the restaurant with the two levels. Correct. Store. So you've you gutted it. You bought the real estate and gutted it and uh, started all over again. Yeah, yeah. The first building, one 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 five to one one seven Vedder Restaurant, I actually gutted out uh, in two thousand and six. Opened up in two thousand and seven, and then two years ago, I actually gutted out the terrace next door uh, and opened up all the walls and got the DAs and all the rest of it. And yeah, God, what an experience! You probably that made was. money out of it. Well, one thing is for sure, you've made money out of the property if you got there in two thousand six. Thankfully, I did. Yeah, I'm sure you have because probably market's gone mental. So that that's that, and that's a basic because one of the big issues about owning a restaurant these days is if you don't own the real estate, you the better your restaurant gets, the more rent you pay because the because the landlord knows that um, this guy can't afford to move because restaurants are pretty much geographical. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, people might follow a chef, but once you once you got it, you're in a good spot. You want to stay in that good spot, so you end up paying more rent. So it's smart to actually own the real estate yourself. Did you make that a call? Uh, yeah, it's it's the only way to survive in this industry. To you're Italian, so you got to own the real yeah, estate. Yeah, exactly know. right. You know, <laughs> bricks and water. Did your Always father works. or mother or someone like or your uncle or auntie who who encouraged you to buy the real estate? Uh, actually, my cousin, who's my business partner now, so he he's um, business partners in the in the building, and I own the restaurant. So him and I are still going hard, and uh, he's quite successful in the eastern suburbs too, uh, in architectural firm. So do you do you cook or do you run the business? A uh, bit of both. Now because it's becoming so big that I actually run the business. I'm in the kitchen three days a week. Um, so now I'm more manageable. Um, you know, with the clientele I'm, I'm dealing with with a lot of corporates, I. You know, they need a lot of fine-tuning, so that's taken up a lot of my time. So, like, one of the things, you know, like, this is like every business, but I buy an asset, let's say I spend a million dollars on it, and that asset is going to be my business. In other words, you bought real estate and that real estate, and, and you fitted it out, and that real estate is your business, and you convey or purvey uh, your goods through that bit of real estate, through that capital investment every single day. So what would be perfect is if that, asset could be working 24 hours a day now if we're in india that asset would be working 24 hours a day so you know it'd be going from five o'clock in the morning and it would be going right through till like i don't know three o'clock the next morning you know irrespective of the local residents and they'd be doing breakfast brunch lunch afternoon tea dinner supper blah they'd be going on and on on. correct um what do you do with that can you do that no why not one, um, it's too expensive to run. Um, what, so, okay, let's stop there. It's too expensive to run. What do you mean? Wages? Wages, yeah. Wages and actually finding staff. You can't find staff, so there's no point. Okay, well, yeah. okay. What, tell me about the wages. So you mean do the wages increase by the hour or is it because of award rates or extra it, overtime? What is it? It's award rates. It's overtime. It's you know after this hour, after that hour. All depends on the days. All depends on the weather. All depends on what the wind's blowing. It's it's so many d- different T's and C's. Um, but mainly the population's not here, and you can't find staff. You know, so you, yeah, so you, you're constrained. Quiet. You 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 can't find. There's no population of staff. 
No. You know, no, no, no. Well, we, with different, you know, four, five, seven visas getting uh, terminated and all this new jazz come happening now, you know, the professionals, which are people coming from overseas, the Europeans, um, they, they do this for a living. You know, they, they're not embarrassed to go out to a party and say, I'm a waiter. All right, because it's a great industry to be in and they're very passionate about the industry where if you've, uh, let's say, uh, in Australia, it's quite embarrassing to say you're a, a waiter. So Why is that? Why is that? Because they don't see hospitality as – well, they're, they're not passionate about hospitality. You know, they, they – they, I find that they're all foodies now and everyone's so cool and, 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 and whatever else, but they can't work in the industry because it's dirty because you're, you know, you're clearing pates, you're pouring wine, you're pouring water, you're you – know, you're more or less a slave to a, 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 a hospitality industry um, where the Europeans do it because they love it. And um, Asians too, as well. Yeah, Asians they 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 see it as a good job. Americans they really take it as an important job. They exactly. take their job very importantly. Exactly, but in Australia, it's 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 below. It's, it's so what that means, Antonio, is that it's very hard then to get Australians to do the job. So therefore, you got to look for foreigners to do the job. Is Correct. that what you're saying? Correct. But the problem is the foreigners can't get it. You can't get foreigners uh, do the work because. Um, they can't get visas here. Well, now they can't get less visas. Less and less. You know, it's very hard to get visas now. And also, if you do get a visa, it's only for two years, right? Um, when you're at a stage where you're, you're in your mid-20s, um, low-20s, mid-20s, you can't spend all this money, leave your country, buy everything, sign a lease in Australia and all the rest of it, and then maybe get kicked out after two years. You know, those two, three years of that of your life at that time, at that point in your life is very, very important. So they have no security. So you can't blame them for not coming. Mm. You know, so now they're not coming. So if they're not coming, they know hospitality. They know service. Right? They're passionate about what they do. So when they serve a table and when they're and when you, you arrive in a in a restaurant, they're welcome. How are you? Um um, how many people uh, can I get your uh, still a sparkling water? You know they love doing what they're doing because it's just natural. It comes natural to them. Where unfortunately the the Australian population, when it comes to hospitality waitering industry, um, they they do it before or during uni, pocket money so they can go yeah. out, spend their money, have a good time. They don't really care. They just want the money. Yeah, right? I had that experience. You can't run a successful restaurant or a successful business. Um, coming to work only for the money it just doesn't work so i've often said to i've often used restaurants cafes etc as an example of um ha- when you employ somebody you employ them who to think like a proprietor so if you're employing a person in a cafe you want to make sure you employ a person in the cafe your cafe that thinks like you and the person who thinks like you knows exactly what the customer wants because the customer goes to the cafe to be looked after correct and to be doted upon because they're paying for it. Correct. So Australians are very good at uh, going to cafes and restaurants. So when you're employing someone, you want to employ. So- you want a pool of people when you're employing someone in your restaurant. You want to be able to employ from a pool of people who understand what the customer wants. You don't want to have to employ from a pool of people who are just there to fill in a bit of time and get a few bob to go out and spend it. You know, at the pictures or the movies or the at the the pub the next day. And that's the issue you're having now. Correct. Is that that's- issue industry wide? It is industry wide. Ask any restaurateur. Yeah, any restaurateur. That's it. So you can't you can't get employees. No, it's impossible. So now we're actually going to deal with employees and employing employees that we actually don't want to employ because we have no. You know, I, I I'm actually saying no to certain functions because I'm getting too busy because I actually haven't got the employees to actually say yes. So it's actually costing me 
quite a few thousand dollars a week saying no where I should be saying yes. I've built this amazing empire, built this amazing building, all these function rooms, all these private rooms. Um, I've got my clientele that love us, but I actually can't do what I built my business to do because I haven't got the employees. So, so where do you get employees from? Do you advertise from? Is it- uh, you can go to Seek, spend six, $700, and you got nothing. It's just useless. The only way I find stuff is actually through my staff because they get on the Italian Facebook or the, or the Spanish Facebook, um, and there's a pool of people there coming to Australia, and that's how I get staff now. Right. You know, it's costing me nothing, but it's the only way I'm getting staff. Yeah, re- referrals. Referrals. And, just and like just like anything in life, you know, business, you know, you only survive on referrals. Is, is it a function too, Antonio, that there are too many restaurants in Australia and or cafes and or bars relative to the number of people in the country? I mean, I, I just, I don't know, it kills me, but I just seem to see restaurants and bars opening and closing everywhere. I'm, I, just, I wonder whether there's too many in a, in a relative sense. Weekly. They're all, they're all open, they're all closing weekly. It's, it's you know... There's certain there's certain brokers that that sell restaurants, and the amount of restaurants they got on their books is just a joke. It's just unbelievable. It's actually scary, and I feel I feel terrible because I'm in a situation where I've spent all my money, and to be in that situation, um, I would never come back from it. You know, it's just so much losing. Everyone's losing a lot of money. Yeah, you've invested a lot because around your area, though, I've seen a few places, not so much where you are, a little further up in. Um Oh, Riley, not Riley Street, you're Riley Street, uh, just a little bit further up in um, Crown Street. Crown. And um, I've seen a few places there that have been Indian places, been all sorts of stuff at the same joint. And uh, there's always an ad for it. And I keep thinking to myself, it's amazing. Always somebody who must come, some chef must come from somewhere and have a punt and back themselves. Oh, I can do this. I can turn this around. So what makes, why does your restaurant survive for 10 years when, so the restaurant 150 metres up the road and to the left of you has been closed, I reckon, every second year with a new – but then reopens with a new operator. And what's the difference between the two? Um, is it the position or is it the food or is it you? Or what is I, it? I think it's a few different things. It's definitely um, our food. Um, two, it's service. Three, my staff. You know, the staff that I have, my main staff that I have are just unbelievable. You know, I have, I have a manager that everyone loves and everyone comes for. Um, he's got a massive following and, you know, we're real. You know, we don't screw anyone over. You know, people come to our home. We treat them like they come into our home. It's like, it's like back in the day when I was a kid and we were at, at home and, you know, your family dinner at home was with the bank manager. Right, and the service and the customer service and the food that will come on the table and the conversation, and that's what we do at Verde. We actually treat everyone like uh, our friends. You know, our bank manager, our friends, our accountants, our friends. It's all family, right? And they come. They, you know, my employee and my uh, my my um, my clientele come to me three, four times a week because they're coming home. And you come out of the kitchen, so because they know the owner. I mean, I, I guess because a lot of these other ones that don't do so well. I mean, the guys sort of slaving out the back in the in the in the behind the behind the in the kitchen, sort of thing. You no one ever gets to see him, and all ever get to see is anarchy staff who don't really care. So there's a disconnect between the two. So what you're saying is, if you're a proprietor of a restaurant that wants to survive for a long period of time, not only do you have to have the right food, not only not only do you have to have consistency, but you have to have that family feel because have people, people go there to be warmly greeted, correct, and to be warmly dealt with and to be remembered. Correct. And to be politely looked after and and seated, and you know, I I, but it's, I think it's such a fundamental mistake that restaurant owners and cafe owners and bar owners they just don't understand why we go there in the first place. Correct. We're not going there because you're going to get to, um, make me privileged to serve me a drink no. or to make my meal. 
it's a sort of a two-way uh, intercourse between the two. It's an intercourse between you and your customer and the customer and their family and everybody. It's just it's a sharing thing. It Everyone's is, sharing it. It is a sharing thing. And, you know, even even my employees, my, my top employees, they know all my clientele. They're very close to my clientele. We, we get together. We, we, know their, we know their wives. We know their, um, uh, their sons, their, their nephews, their nieces. You know, it's, it's a family vibe. Um, and that's what we enjoy also. Because when, when my clients walk into our restaurant, it's all the boys are together, all the girls are together. It's fun, fun, fun. Did so, you, do you, is there a model restaurant in Sydney or is there a model restaurateur in Sydney who's an old school dude or lady um, that you sort of think has got it right? I mean, uh, I remember uh, around the corner from you, uh, what's a famous Italian restaurant around the corner? Beppi's. Beppi's. Oh, yes. Beppi, okay. He's passed yes. away, unfortunately. Yes. But yes. Beppi, allegedly Beppi trained Lucio and a number of other Older school Italian plays are much older than you. Correct. Um, but they all come out of this one place, and it's funny, you know. I remember I used to go to Beppi's and when he was around, and he was always very, um, you know, warm, welcoming, always coming to ask you how you going, come talk to the kids. Then I go to Lucha's, the same. Lucha's, they all sort of operate the same way. Um, do you think, is there anyone like that you've copied or you're learned from? Hands down, Lucha. Lucha. Lucha hands. Lucha and Paddington. The guy, yes, the guy's a gentleman. Uh, the guy's totally. probably the one one of one of only uh, out of the three or four that I know that have actually opened his arms up. They came to my restaurant for dinner with his wife that asked me anytime if you need anything about the industry, please ask. You know, it's unfortunate because I tried to get in the Italian circle when I was uh, starting out in Verde and um, I actually wasn't allowed to get into that little circle. Um, they refused me in, in a couple of different ways. So, But Lucio was the only one that actually stepped back and said, listen, Antonio, if you need anything, call me, please. Uh, come to dinner, come to my restaurant, uh, and I can do. So um, I'll always remember Lucio from, from 10 years ago that, that opened his, uh, his arms up to me. What do, I remember David, uh, I can't remember his surname, David um, Cartier, who owned uh, Mario's around the corner, it's closed now, but um, he wasn't Italian, but... Um, or they sort of try to be Italian, but uh, but doesn't matter. I mean, like that was a famous restaurant too. Like it was the same. You walk everybody knew everybody. People are still talking about Mario's. Yeah, yeah. you know they've still got actually the sign in the back alley of Mario's, the original sign. Um, all my clients are still talking about Mario's. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's those memories that I hear now that make me so happy about the street and what it's what it was to what it is now. It's just so. What is the difference now? What's oh, it just there's no soul. There's no there's no village. You've got vibe. Bill and Tony still up there, but it's is is that changed too? It's one of those. It's gone, away, isn't it? Yeah, no, Bill and Tony's is gone. It's 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 sold twice now. It's just oh, they don't. Those two guys don't own anything. No, it's just everything's changed in Stanley Street. It's not what it used to be, and it, 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 it's a killer. You know, the streets the streets old. The streets. It's, there's not much happening. Is it because the men, are, the people who ran this place, passed away, or, or they're old, or what, what's? I mean, is it because it's not considered like a? You still considered like a profession, um, and, and something you love doing. You're a young man; they're much older. Um, is it because there's not enough people like you around anymore who love to, to make Italian food and make an Italian feeling and and look after all the customers? Is that what it is? I, I, I think that's. I think that that's got something to do with it. Um, the the younger people coming through now, unfortunately. I don't know. They're just a bit too up themselves. They yeah, just yeah. think they're too good. You know, you, you just they they measure success through people they know and occasions they get invited to, and it's just not the way it is. Um, success comes from the people within your restaurant. Um, success comes from people that talk about you when you're not around. 
um, and how they talk about you. Um, that's what I find success. Um, I, I really, you know, I stay out of the industry as much as possible. I just look after the people that look after me and my clients and my staff, of course, because without my staff, you know, I wouldn't survive full stop. Um, so basically, we, we, we run our own race. I don't get involved with what happens around there. I don't, I don't, I don't care. So is it, has Uber Eats sort of cut into things? Or yeah, that's hurt. That's hurt. Deliveroo? That's hurt. You know, the, most, <clears throat> the biggest thing that hurt is, is the city's dead. Is yeah. that right? Lockout laws. It's just killed us. Absolutely killed us. Which laws you mean? The lockout rules or yeah, whatever? Yeah, the, the, the lockout laws, the cross is closed. Um, there's no walk-by anymore. Um, there's no young people dining out before they go and party. You know, Thursday, Friday. Why not? Why not? Well, because they're all going to Redfern and they're all going to Newtown. So right. why would you eat in the city, then catch an Uber or a taxi to go to Newtown and Redfern and everywhere to else drink. where it's to drink? Yeah. Or, or Double Bay. You would just go and eat in Double Bay. You could go and eat in Redfern. You go and eat oh. in Newtown and then just walk down the road and choose three or four or five different places that you wish to go to. And that's what the cross in the city used to be. You used to finish dinner and if you go to the cross, you got 10, 12 different places to go to. If you go to the city, you got another 20 places to go to. So if one's not good or you can't get in because it's packed, you just walk down the road, 100 meters down the road, and you get to another place. So you don't have to worry about, you know, Ubers. You don't have to worry about taxis and all the rest of it. And and now it's just the city's just completely dead. You know, I used to, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, Saturday nights, I used to be completely jam-packed with a la carte. You know, turning over tables. And then at 11 o'clock, 11.30 at night, bang, everyone used to go and party. So you get a lot of these young groups coming in, uh, having a great time before they go and uh, have a good time uh, yeah. elsewhere in clubs and, and bars. So do you, do you put that down to the sort of um, – so, so somebody's made a, a decision, oh, well, you know, the, the politics of the cross are such that, um, you know, we have to stop whatever it is they were claiming was happening up there, violence, whatever it was, at 2 or 3 in the morning, which is basically a problem that resolves, revolves itself around no transport to get people home, by the way, um, which was yeah. a government problem in the first place. So what they decided to do is sledgehammer it and actually just close the cross down effectively. But what they didn't realise is the knock-on effect that's going to have across the board. And people don't stop drinking. They just go drink somewhere else. Correct. You know, so they, they, as you say, they moved to Newtown and other places. The, the, Double this, Bay. Double Bay. Double Bay now, on a Friday night, Saturday night, there's like there's, the, the bars, people are falling out of there just as drunk as they were when they were in the cross. No doubt. No doubt. And there's still the same trouble. We just don't know about it because the government can't promote it too much because, you know... They tried to stop it there, and it's just moved to another suburb. So they're really they fucked up. Well, is there any chance that these lockout laws are going to be changed, Antonio? Well, they have to be. You know, um, they can't uh, affect people's livelihoods. As you say, you've invested a lot of money in your restaurant. You've invested a lot of money in your staff. You've trained your staff. You've given them all jobs. Um, you've looked after your your your, your eating, eating community. In other words, your customers. But and people have gone and bought places around. They built lifestyles around. Oh, I go to Verde on a Friday night because I live around the corner. I walk there, which means I don't have to drive my car. I take my family there because it's a family-style restaurant. And then with one um, flick of a, a pen, they've the government killed that sort of lifestyle just for one outcome that they were trying to achieve for themselves. So do you feel as though you've been like cheated or is, do you th- feel like you've been unfairly I, dealt with? I, I think we, we've all been unfairly dealt with, but that's just life. You've got to deal with it. You know, you can't sit in the corner and cry. You just got to think of. We well, can't do anything about it because exactly. one voice won't You just got to get on with it and move forward and 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 create something different and, and change your model and change the way you think and change the way you get clients. Yeah. So, ha, ha, what have you done? Well, I tell you what we'll do. Let's go to the break and we'll come back and we'll talk about what you've done. And I want to know what are the sort of obstacles that a cafe, restaurant, and hospitality industry person like yourself has to put up with 
when it comes to the regulatory environment. I want to know what those things are and what you do about it. We'll go to the break and thanks very much. Thank you. Welcome back to The Mentor. I'm with Antonio Rogarino. Antonio is from his restaurant Verde, a very successful restaurant in the eastern suburbs of Sydney or East Sydney. Um, and we're talking about the regulations and difficulties before the break that sort of make it pretty tough in this industry. Um, I, I, I guess that um, just before I go on that, I just want to touch on something that's quite important. Um, I take the view that when I go to a restaurant that I don't want to have to make decisions. I don't want a menu with this 50 pages long. Um, I don't, and I'm not that in, usually not that interested in going through a wine list as long. I mean, I don't have that much time, particularly if it's lunch or even dinner for that matter. Um, and one of the things that you were talking about during the break, Antonia, was um, the importance of uh, you being at the front of house and or your manager being at the front of house, um, knowing your clients and pretty much taking a lot of the decision-making out of their hands for them. How important is that? for you in order to keep your business going for 10 years. That that process of I walk in, you go, g'day, Mark, how are you going? Usual wine, usual water, blah, blah. Usual table. Correct. That. Um, that takes years. Um, and when you get to a point where you have that trust, then you know your clientele and they love it because they have their own table, their same table. Um, and then the beauty about it is – the importance of that is not only making them feel like they're part of the family, which they definitely are, but every time they bring someone in, because they're all having business meetings, that person that I've just met becomes a regular client, and it's a domino effect, and that's how my business grows. Um, certain clients that dine at my restaurant four times a week, they, have, they bring four different people in a week. Um, and then they entertain just as much as that other person, and that's how I grow as a business. And that's interesting you should say, because one of the things, I mean, I have dined at your restaurant with some of your clients, and I know what you're talking about. I know who the clients are, and I know where they sit, etc. cetera. Um, but one of the things I think is really important too, by the way, is it's not cheap. And I don't mean by what you charge. I don't mean that. Where, where I consider something is cheap is when the next day you read about it in the confidential section of the Daily Telegraph. So... You don't need to ring up whoever these people are who write these articles and say, oh, guess what, Mark Boristine in my restaurant because you're not looking for the cheap shot. Because that is the worst thing. I will bar a restaurant for life Correct. if I go to a restaurant and the next day I'm reading about it. Correct. Because I, for my money, that's just not on. Um, I go to a restaurant to, to get away from work and actually to sit down and talk to whoever it is I'm talking to or I'm maybe just there on my own. But I don't want to have to read about it. So there's some rules. I mean, you, you establish the rules. Um, there are rules, definitely, and that's the difference between one restaurant and one restaurateur to another restaurateur. All right, so basically, I could put all over social media, Instagram, Facebook, Confidential, Telegraph, the whole kit and caboodle, because they're all my clients anyway. Um, I can put photos and say whatever I have to say, but at the end of the day, will that person come back? Will that person feel comfortable? Will that person respect me? No, he won't, and I don't blame that person to never come back again. But the thing is, other restaurateurs flog it on social media because they get the followers. They get the sheep that want to be um, sitting close to that person and this person and that person. And you know what? To, to have the crowds, you have to prostitute 
certain clientele. And you know what? Well, that's just not right. Well, no, and and, and uh, that's just, uh, they're also those people. Privacy. Those people are going to want to come back. Or sorry, those people are going to want to go and sit there because they read something in in uh, social media. Um, they're your fickled. Uh, they're your fickle people. So next week they read about some other restaurant. They go to the next one. They don't keep coming back. What you want is re- you want a base load of repeat customers who come back twice a week. Every week, because they like the food, like the consistency, like the family feel, but also know they're not going to be uh, put on show. And and that's they're your base customers. They're the ones who pay your rent. They're the ones who pay your wages ultimately. And then you put, then you had your have your add-ons on top of that where you make your margin, make make your profits. I mean that's to me makes a lot of sense. Anybody who opens up a restaurant and then starts uh, putting out all the data on on, in, on social media about who was eating at their restaurant is crazy because that's not the process. That's not what we want when we go to a restaurant. In my view. Then now there will be some fickle people who want to go in there and be recognised for the world the latest Armani outfit or whatever it is. Um, but you know they, they they come and go those guys and girls. I mean what you want is the people who keep coming back year after year. I know you have customers in your restaurant who have probably been going there for ten years. Definitely. Same people. Definitely. Influential people. Definitely. And uh, and they they and you know them, they know you, and they know that they're safe. Yep. You eat, you want to be safe. Correct. Safe means, you know, you don't get exposed to anybody. Correct. And also and also just the conversations. You know, these we're 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 waiters, right? The conversations we hear on these business meetings, right, they're highly <laughs> confidential. Mm. And these clients have to trust us. Yes, we hear it all, yes, we know it all. But will we ever mention it to anyone else, Mm. even each other? Mm. Like my manager does not mention it to me what went on in that room and I don't mention to him when I'm in that room. You know, it's confidentiality. And also we're there for the long term. We're not here short term. We run our race very, very slowly. And as long as we survive for the next next 10 years, right, um, I'll be happy with that. If you're a budding restaurateur out there, if you're a chef – and or not a chef and you think about opening a restaurant, I'm telling you, you should be listening to this guy because this guy knows how to stay in business. Because I'm a customer and I'm telling you now, this is the sort of stuff that I, I like to hear. These are the reasons I go to certain places and I go to the same places all the time. And I, 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 I can just, I reckon all those items, food consistency, the type of food is important to me, but the type of food, the food consistency, the location, the staff, um, um, knowing what I where I like to sit, or what, you know, I, I like to sit in certain areas. Um, you know, the types of wine you want to drink, the, and it's not because I'm a sport brat; it's because I just don't want to have to think about stuff. Maybe I'm a sport brat, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to spend money. But that's my job. Yeah, you, your that's job is job. to spoil me, make exactly. me feel like a sport Precisely. brat at least. I mean, it's it's at the end day, feel good it's too. all bullshit, but I mean, it's it works. It, it, it works at that moment. And it's lunchtime. It's when I'm having my break. So I'm having my break because I usually had a pretty crappy morning. I've got a crappy afternoon coming up, and I have to put up with a whole lot of rubbish. So what I want to do is give myself, my, put my, my head in the dry cleaners for a little bit, and sort of you know just slow the brain damage down a little bit, and uh, and just chill. So I mean, I I'm just a survey one, but I reckon every bloke I know who goes to restaurants consistently and spends, you know, sixty seventy bucks just on themselves, or you know, one hundred and twenty bucks on the, them and their, their friend, I reckon they're all the same. I, that's 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 my experience. Would I be right? Oh, definitely, without a doubt. So if you're listening to without this, take it, take, write down notes. This is how you run a successful joint, whether it's a cafe, a bar, a restaurant, anything in the hospitality industry. But I, let's get on to something that's really important to me because I mean, I, I've been driving this for a while now. It's like, to me, the various layers of government, federal, state, local, 
it's like they're trying to make it as hard as possible for people to be in business. Yet at the same time, they're telling us, oh, you know, the small business community is the engine room of the nation, employs 60% of all the population, blah, blah, blah. Yet it, every time I turn around, it looks like they're making some new regulation up that'll stop you from being successful. In fact, might even try and put you out of business. Give me an example of some of the sort of stuff, for example, our opening hours or cleaning hours or noise levels or just talk about some of the things that you have to put up with. Uh, the, the, oh God, where do we start? Um, all righty. So classic example, I had a function on Sunday, not last Sunday, the Sunday before, and it was 11.45 in the morning. And I was setting up, doors, windows closed, everything closed. And I was actually setting up myself. I had the music up because I was trying to get myself in the groove. I've just done 85 hours. Um, and I had to work on a Sunday, which I never work on a Sunday. But it's a regular clientele, a regular client that I had to help out. So here we are. Um, mate, 11.45, I get complaints from next door, from neighbors. 11.45 in the day. What were they complaining about? Bloody music. There was no doors and no windows open. So the music I answered the phone. I said, are you serious? I hung up. Yeah. You know, it's like 11.45 and that's, and that's a, a resident. You know, that's, that's you know, I, I cop that weekly. Um, but council is just a joke. So what do they do, ring council? Well, they ring council because they know my law. They know the laws better than I do. I'm the restaurateur. I'm the one paying the bills and they know more than I do. Um, you know, unfortunately, the council can't really do much because the people, the residents, you know, have the upper hand. You've got to listen to the residents. Well, you know, one, they're renters, right? Yeah. If, you, if you don't like rent in there, fucking pack your bags and piss off. You know, there's so many other places in Sydney you can go to. Um, but 11.45, it sounds a bit unreasonable. Oh, a little bit unreasonable. It's not even almost. It wasn't as if you were holding a mad party there or anything. I was there by myself getting ready for, for, for a function. You know, sorry, I had, you know, I could play music in my own home. What about outdoor seating? Uh, outdoor seating. Um, what about out- the rules about that? All right, outdoor seating is a problem. You know, if you, if you, if you, right, you're you know. an Italian restaurant, you should, people should be able to sit outside uh, and yeah, eat in the sunshine. Exactly right. But the thing is, there's certain hours you can do it and certain hours you can't do it. All right. If you set up 10 minutes early, council drive around. That's all they do. They employ people to drive around and try and find you. All right. Because it's a business. Find you, F I N E. Yes, find you. And what, what, what example of a find? Like, how would you get fined if, let's say, you're, um, Outdoor seating hours are from you know, 10, 10 a.m. in the morning. Let's Cla- say you set up at quarter to 10. Classic, classic. A, a friend of mine actually um, pulled me up the other day and he said to me, he said to me, listen, I said, he goes, I know what you're going through right now because you know what happened to me? I had, I've, got a, I've got a cafe in Redfin, right? 7 a.m., license to uh, put tapers out in the street. My manager put them out at 10 to 7. We got a $4,500 fine. My God. Right. If you divide that up in minutes, what's that in minutes? Four hundred fifty bucks a minute. There you go. How can well, that's a, about three weeks worth of profit, probably. Yeah. How can a business survive? Four and a half thousand dollars. Because of ten minutes earlier, what? The ten minutes <clears throat> for four and a half thousand dollars? Seriously. I remember my sons. They owned a, a bar restaurant up in um, Darlinghurst, and um, they they inside the bar there was an office outside the bar on the left side of the bar, and then inside the bar there was a there's obviously the bar. And um, one night um, they hired the place out for a function and there were people drinking out on the street that they weren't in control of it because the f- there was a well-known beer company was putting a function on there. It was around Christmas time. 
And um, the liquor licensing guys turned up. Uh, no joke, they looked like they were the tactical response group. The way they turned up in the overalls, whole thing, and they were pushing people back into the to the restaurant. They went out to one of my sons and they said, "Where's your uh, license? You got to have your license on display." They didn't have the license on display in the restaurant. They had it on display inside the office. They got a seven thousand dollar fine. Yep. For not having the license, the the, the 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 piece of paper on display in the restaurant, as opposed to on display in the office, which is Next door, like like part of the same building, yep. seven thousand um, dollars, and in their case, they they end up selling that restaurant because they just they just the, the rules and regulations are too hard. They, it's, they found it too hard to make money. Like at, at eleven p.m., they're a bar. At eleven p.m., they had to put on security, yeah. um, and security the cost of security didn't make sense there's, relative there's, amount of money they made. There's no point, you know. And, and you know, I've actually considered uh, um, thinking differently about my business and should I stay in the industry, or should I stay in the industry in Sydney. Hmm. Because it's becoming a joke and it's becoming uh, to a point where they keep on taking my profits. Uh, they keep on, you know, every week I get a warning about something, right? The, I know the council is better than, than I know my neighbours um, because Antonio, this Antonio, that this is what happened. Yes, what happened. Um, but you know what? Do you even, have to pay licence fees? I mean, do you You've got to pay everything. You've got to pay everything. And, and the, the thing is, you know, when licence… like a tax. When licensing, there's so many different taxes. That's all it is. There's, there's so many different… Well, the thing is, when licensing police come in, they come in during service. You've got a full restaurant. Um, and there's five of them that walk in the door and sit in the middle of the bloody restaurant waiting for service. It's like, I'm here to make money. Can you all get out? Cause what, are they, what do they want? What do you got to do with them? Well, they, they, they come, they walk around the restaurant, they see um, where the cameras are, they see where the licence are, the 18 plus the cameras, signs. What do you got to have cameras for? Ah, uh, cameras. All right. In my, in my plan of management, I need to have 10 cameras. They need to record 28 days. Right, in case something happens, and they have a right to see these cameras anytime they wish, which is not bloody right because I have people in my rooms yeah. having private meetings. Yeah, right. What's it to you? You have to put the cameras in. I'm the one paying the the, the, the lease and the taxes and all the rest of it. Um, and I'm not going to give. How my, many cameras you got? I've I've got about twelve. Twelve cameras. Twelve cameras in a little space, and um, and the funny thing is. I have to actually have a diary every day where I go into the the cameras. I got to check if everything's working, if it's recording. I got to check every single camera and I got to jot down what's working and what's not working every day. Sounds like a police state. Sounds like Singapore or something. They came in four weeks ago, four or five weeks ago. Um, they warned me because my cameras were only recording for 12 days, not 28 days. So they made me fix this. To fix this, I had to go out and spend $2,200 on a new DVR that records up to 28 days. Now, I have to have a diary every day stating what works and what doesn't work. If I, don't, if I miss a day, which I did, hence why they came in and warned me, it's a $6,000 fine. I'm on my last warning. And you have to, which means you probably have to have an IT person who works as a consultant, or you can get in case something's not working, you have to get that person in to fix it. Then exactly, if you want to come, five hundred bucks an hour or something. If you want to come, that's fine. I'll get my IT guy here. He can open up everything because you know what? I've got other things to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not IT driven. I, you know, what do I know about this? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's 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 the beauty about my business. If I'm not good at something, I employ someone who's good at it. Yeah, yeah. But right? all I know of a sudden, you've got these bloody cameras everywhere. I mean, like, it's, it's, you're not running a bank teller. You you know, know, you're not running a bank. I mean, so, you know, like, what, what is that? So that week, two two thousand two hundred dollars, my profit's gone. 
Mm. Right? Have they come back to, to see it, to test it? Yes, they will come back. And yes, they probably will find me. Um, but I got all the equipment. Now I just don't know how to use it because it's all technology. Right, so, so either way, it doesn't really matter what happens. I'm still going to get in trouble. What about fireproofing too? Like, I mean, is that is that another big uh, extinguishers in this that yeah. the yeah yeah you get warnings for that um, um, uh, hygiene people coming into hygiene. This is what I love. What's hygiene? Tell, tell me about hygiene. That. They come in for um, food safety and they come in um, during service because they want to try and catch you out. So they come in around about eight o'clock, eight thirty when you're in the middle of service. They walk in. They stand in the in the middle of the restaurant. And they don't move until they're allowed to go in the, in, in the kitchen. You cannot stop these people. The funny thing about these people is these young, the young people, they, don't, they speak broken English. They've probably gone to a course for two or three days. All of a sudden, they're food experts. So they come in the kitchen, in the courtrooms, this, that, the other. They tell us what we're good at, what we're, we're doing bad. They give us a warning about this, a warning about that. And then they give us a $325 bill. For, for, for That's them. for the service. I have to pay them to try and find me. Huh. You know, and now they're coming twice a year. So I've got to spend six, $700 on these people that I don't want in my space, I don't want in my restaurant to try and find me. That's another $600, $700. I said, and who are you? Do you want to show me your visa? Because these people can come into the country Right, they can go and do a course in the council for two, three days. All of a sudden, they're going out. They're doing how many? Five, six a day. Council must make a fortune out of it by three hundred and something dollars. Council are killing it. So it's like I want to run that business. Yeah, I was going to say it's more like a business. It's like a council business. There's no overheads. They come in ten, fifteen minutes. They're out three hundred something dollars. Thank you very much. Go to the next place. Wow. Do you have to pay? Parking levies or anything like that? No, not parking levies. You don't have no. to pay. You don't have to because you got you know got a whole lot of people sort of sitting in your no, restaurant. No, 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 no parking levies. But you know, even even rubbish collection, rubbish collection is becoming a, a nightmare. Because how do you mean? Well, the rubbish company there's 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 a government body that says rubbish collection is allowed after six a.m. In my DA, it says because the city city council say it's only you only can do it from seven a.m. So the council wants to find me. The rubbish company doesn't care because the council can't find the rubbish company because by their law, they're doing the right thing. By my DA, I'm doing the wrong thing. So I'm in the middle here getting a warning about a big fine. I said, listen, I said, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I said, you can deal with the rubbish company. Council can deal with the rubbish company. I'll put my rubbish out. I'll put my rubbish out. I pay my bills, right? Every day I pay for my rubbish to get collected. If you can't come up with a solution between the two of you, I've already dropped. Why don't the ru- council want your rubbish to be collected until after seven? Is it because of local residents or something? Local residents. And, 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 but the rubbish company only collects it at six. Well, they're allowed to do anywhere after six. Right. The city city council got something special going on. That's a nightmare. Right. So then basically I'm in the middle. I said, listen, I said, this is what can happen. We can stop collecting rubbish and my rubbish can be out in the street seven days a week for the next few weeks, right, until you decide what to do. That means rats, um, smells, um, everything under the sun. You either have that scenario, right, or you deal with the problem you have at hand. I said, get someone to come and talk to me, right, and let's sort this out because I can't deal with this. I'm running a business. I'm trying to pay my bills. 
And oh. you're employing people and you're paying your taxes and you're buying produce and you're keeping some farmer in, in business because he's selling you potatoes and you're keeping some uh, farmer who's selling you meat and or chicken and or fish. You're keeping all those people in business. And, I mean, like this is what kills me about this country because, I mean, you've got the federal government and you've got the treasurer at, this, at one hand saying we need to do more about helping small businesses survive and keep going because they're so important to this, this nation. Small businesses employ so many people and pay Maybe. so much tax and pay so much superannuation, et cetera. Yet you've got, at the other hand, you got councils like this city council right now trying to do everything they can to make sure that you can't survive. Not only is all the license fees and all the fines you got to pay and all the fees you got to pay for get people to do the cleaning, but they're just making it like impossible. Because you, you get to this point in your life, you say, oh, "Fuck, this is too hard." I mean, and and it's not it's not going to be because you got a bad business. I reckon a lot of these businesses go out of business because they think it's too hard. They think, well, "Why am I doing this shit?" It is too hard. You know, every week you get hit with something else. You know, their their reply to I, 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 I the council calls me. I said, "Listen, let's just get together. Let's have a business meeting. Come in for lunch." we we'll just come in for a coffee. No, 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 do that. Let's sit down around a table and let's talk. Yeah. I've been in Stanley Street for 10 years. I've seen everyone go broke. I've seen everyone open up. I said, let's talk about the street. Let's talk about the problems. Because especially, they, they should value Stanley Street. They should value. Because it's, of course it's they I mean, should. if you go to all the local residents, maybe the one, not the one next door to you, but if you go to all the local residents, they're going to say, no, one of the reasons we li- love living here is because of Stanley Street. Yeah. But the thing is, they love it because at the moment they're loving it because every time the street's quiet, I get no complaints. That means we're going broke. As soon as we make noise, that means we're making money. Hmm. The council comes in and says, you've got to stop this, you've got to stop that. I said, well, so when I do make money, you want to close me down. When I'm not making any money, you leave me alone. Hmm. Well, what is that? You want me to go broke then? You know, and what, and what about the people I employ? How, who's going to give them a job? I, you going to give them a job? They don't care about that. They don't care about that. They don't care I'm feeding 12 families. Yeah. They don't care. What do they care? I've got, I've got staff that have to work as much as they can to support their families overseas. It's like the old days. You know, I've got 23-year-olds sending money overseas to help their mother and father survive. Hmm. They're working their asses off. Hmm. And that's why they're so passionate about doing what they do. right? And they learn and they listen. And these people I'm actually giving my business to because they're passionate. And they will run my business one day if they manage to stay in the country. But they're good enough to run my business. If they can keep their visa. If they can keep their visa. So, like, if this place is – I mean, Australia is so hov- overly heavily regulated, it's ridiculous. Oh, you can't. It's have. just ridiculous. It's actually embarrassing. For international um, guests to come to Sydney, it's actually embarrassing that Sydney's so boring. It's yeah, we're so not, we're empty. We're not a free, happy-go-lucky I – mean, the, the old Australian thing of happy-go-lucky sort of environment, it's not like that. We're one of the most regulated countries in the world. Oh, it's it's absolutely it's boring. You know, if for me, if I want to go and have a good time um, and spend money, I'm not going to do it in Australia. Why would I? Yeah, yeah. You can't do anything. Which is one. Of, which I jump on a plane I, and go elsewhere. That's why our economy suffers, though. Exactly. Precisely. Yeah, our economy suffering. So I mean, I mean, they've got to stop looking at all those, all the really big issues, and start looking at some of the smaller issues. Start digging a little bit, and uh, but like Modi, who won the prime minister election in uh, India. Um, more recently um, laid out a, a, a plan for small business in India because a lot of people in small business in India and um, he he called it red carpet, uh, uh, no red tape but red carpet. And he actually says if you have a business that has employees less than 100 people, which by the way in India is pretty common, um, then there are no regulations. Wow. Just go set your business up, do your best. No, you don't have to apply for anything, no licenses, nothing. Just go set your business up. Now, I'm not suggesting we do that in this country, but 
nonetheless, it's a it's a it's a good example of how you drive economies and how you drive growth and how you build prosperity and um you know like you're going to have fallout around all that sort of stuff. But what I'd rather have is that councils manage the fallout as opposed to trying to manage the business that might create the fallout. The problem is now it's easier for me to concentrate on your business and and manage regulate you than it is for me to have to deal with the complaints. Correct. That's the way it's gone. Correct. So they've gone to the least line of resistance. Let's regulate the 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 central place where the business is, and let's not worry. And that way, we'll be happy. We'll get less complaints. We've got less work to do ourselves. That's the way it seems to me. Well, I think I think the council, each council, should get their their restaurateurs and their bar owners together and educate them every three months. You know, get them all, get a hundred professional 200, development days, and 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 actually say this is what we want for our area, for our council. You know, we trust you, right? You're good at what you do. Partnership, right? Let's do it together. Mm. Let's build it together. Let's 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 bring it. Let's let's build it up and and create something amazing. Because you know what, we've got great operators everywhere around us. We've got the best produce, the best uh, wineries. We've got the best. Australia is amazing in every which way. It's just the nightlife and the and the red tape and it's just all the rest of it. He's not helping out any any so areas. They, yeah, so well, I think that's a really good point, Antonio. They see themselves as like the auditor, um, the regular the regulatory environment. They're auditing all the regulatory environment as opposed to sitting down and saying, "Look, these are the rules, but the rules are trying to achieve these objectives. What do you think? And how do we regulate ourselves together? How do we do it together?" Correct, and you know maybe, and every now and sort of have have the industry self regulated to some extent, but by agreeing with what the council would like to see, what the residents want to see, what the council want to see, what everybody wants to see. Because exactly. you're a resident, I mean, you're a resident. When I say you don't sleep there, but mate, you're there, you know, eighty five hours a week. You're probably there in East Sydney longer than the per- person is renting the place next door, without a doubt. So therefore, my view, you're a resident. Without a you doubt. reside there. Definitely. And therefore, why is the person next door going to rights greater than yours? Yep. I yep. mean, apart from the fact you pay wages and you pay council rates and all that sort of stuff, but you are resident. So you're as ju- – and by the way, you are providing a community service yep. in the area. In the area. And you are employing people in the area. So I think there should be some points allocated to someone like you. So, you know, like if I'm listening to Mr. Complainant A versus Mr. Uh, the Complain – the person who's being complained against B, which in, case, in your case is you, you I would lo- I like to say, okay, well, let's just have a look at this. How important is Antonio's business to the area? What community services is he providing? And if you're a selfish bastard not giving anything back to the community, that's different. But if you are doing a good thing in the community, if you're generally speaking, people say, this is a good restaurant to go to. This is a good family feel. This is, you know, they're not selling drugs. They're selling good food, uh, alcohol. They look after us. They look after a family. So there's a whole lot. There should be some weighting against that. Is this guy a landowner? Yes, he uh, because he pays rates. Yes. Um, is this guy um, investing in the community in terms of wages, etc.? Yes, he is. Um, uh, does this guy reside in the area? In other words, is he is he does he live in Queensland and just comes down here once a year, or does he actually live in the business? Yes, he does. Well, hang on, let's let's put a bit of weight behind Antonio and say relative to the complainee or the complainor, whatever the bloody word is, um, we should listen to Antonio and try and solve the problem with Antonio as opposed to just hit him with a fine. That's that is a stupid system. And can I can I just can I just note what they actually say? Uh, lodge uh, section ninety six. What's that mean? Well, if you want to change something on your management plan and management or whatever the case, lodge a form. Pay go to the council, pay more money, lodge a form, and ask for approval. And they might get back to you in six months. Yeah. 
But that's total uncertainty plus cost. I mean, because you know? to, to, to fill a Section 96 out, you've got to, usually got to get someone to help you with it. Lodge a Section 96. Is that all you can come back with? Yeah. yeah. You know, I've, I've spent more money in the area that are actually you've spent telling me to lodge at Section 96. Mm. I said, come out and bloody see me. Get off your ass. Try and help get, me. Yeah, let's, let's help each other. Let's grow the area. Yeah, yeah. You know, all these, all these big buildings in Stanley Street and Riley Street all around the area have sold. But all these apartments are not getting approved. So if they're not if not approving apartments, that means the walk by, you know, we could have another, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 people in these apartment blocks, which will feed the bars and the restaurants around the area. Why not fucking approve them? Mm. You've sold the property. The properties are sold. Uh, approve the developments. Get the developments up. All right, fair enough. Inner city. They don't need cars. Put more bike lanes. Because people in the city that live in the city don't drive. They might ride a Vespa. That's why they live in the city. Correct. So you don't have to worry about the congestion of cars because you know, there's no car spaces. You do it, you prove it, apartments, no car spaces, bang. Get people living in there. So then they've got to dine at least once a week, all right? They've got to dine in a different restaurant around the area. It's more walk-by, it's more energy, it's more village. Get it going. Approve the bloody developments. Yeah, you know, for me to get my balcony approved, I just did a balcony. A year and a half to get a balcony approved. <laughs> A year and a half, yeah. and it cost me a shitload of money. The email trail I have about a, a balcony lease, where's my lease, where's my lease, where's my lease, went on for months and months. Anyway, it got to a point where a little balcony, there's another balcony 100 metres up, it's a resident balcony. My balcony here, it costs me um, airspace, $7,000 a year. $7,000 a year? A year, airspace. Like you rent airspace. Rent airspace from the council. They, they, the year and a half this got to, uh, to get this approved. Um, $7,000 a year airspace. I'm allowed six people on the balcony only. They made me build this balcony that will hold a bloody tank. All right. Um, I'm only allowed to have six people on the balcony. They have to be seated. Um, it's only uh, allowed to be used till 9 p.m. at night. So if I have six people sitting down, if a waiter wants to go out on that balcony and serve those three tables, you got to tell someone to go back. You got to tell someone to come back in. Oh, what a joke! Right, so I can walk out. I had a group of politicians and high end people in my balcony a few weeks back, and I said, "Guys, in it's too many." Antonio, then one of them pulled me out. And goes, Antonio. Come and tell us the story about this balcony. So I went out and told them the story about this balcony. They all fucking laughed. They all said the council's a joke. They all said, stuff it. There was more people on there. They didn't care. Um, they didn't come in after nine. right? Because they're mutual people. $1,000 a ticket each. I had 30 people in there. $30,000 right? event for charity. Right? I'm going to tell these people to get off the balcony when they're drinking $200 bottles of wine, right? Mature men that spent $1,000 to be there to not only um, support me, but to support a charity. I'm going to tell them to get off the balcony at 9 o'clock. I'm Did going you to get tell fined? Sorry? Did you get fined? No, I was lucky that night. You know, but that's a joke. Yeah. That's totally, a joke. It's totally. an absolute joke. So $7,000 a year I've got to pay. That's crazy. For six people. I can't get a return on that. It's impossible. The, the, I mean, I think I'm going to go down to Antonio's restaurant today and I'm going to go and have a look around, actually, because this is intriguing me. I, I think, I mean, 
I mean, what I'm getting out of all this is a, is not only are businesses going out of hospitality business going out of business because of, you know economic conditions or um, just not enough demand for their product. Um, or poor management for that matter, but even the good management, even the, the good guys, the guys who got good product, the guys in good positions, that they've been able to spend money, been there for a long time. The frustration that the regulatory environment is creating is actually going to ultimately could do, put us in a position that we don't have as many restaurants and don't have that um, beautiful community feel and that eatery sort of environment that we, we Australians all have come to love. And I think the council are going too far and they're going to push people like Antonio out of business. I think the council has got to have a good look at themselves. I don't think it's state government. I think it's councils. It's around the – It's around the. And, and to be frank with you, I think there's been an abrogation by the council laws. In other words, the people get elected by the people relative to the bureaucrats who run the council. So the abrogation of um, responsibility of the council is in that they don't can't control the bureaucrats that sit below them who actually are doing the people uh, the people going out building the rules and actually fining people and um, ex, you know policing the rules there's this disconnect between everybody so i'm in there voting for this councillor in relation to my area where there are restaurants and cafes yet that councillor has no control over what the bureaucracy is doing below him or her that bothers me so I think there's been a fantastic and, and, by the way, quite sobering discussion about, and it's a tip of the iceberg, about regulations in this country. And it's also fascinating and quite sobering again in that it's only going to get worse. And Antonio has brought to us, and I thank you for this, an honest view on this because, you know, it sort of takes a lot of balls to go in there and start talking about councils and regulators it's not an easy thing to do and uh and and i really thank him for this and um you know and i and he's one of the stalwarts i mean he will be the next lucio and uh beppi etc because i'd say he's the guy's pretty gutsy he's never going to give up he's a lot younger than you think um but i my gut my gut feel is he's going to be one of the survivors because he has the right attitude around all this and after all this, he still manages to maintain his consistency, good food, good service to his customers. He never reflects any of this crap onto his customers. And so I guess that's a, a sort of a part of the formula for his success and, more importantly, his survivorship. So if you're listening to cafes and you're thinking about going you're, – you're a cafe owner or you're thinking about going into one or into a restaurant, you better listen to this guy and, uh, and take notes and think about it hard before you go into this business because it's not all glamour being in the hospitality interest, uh, being in the hospitality industry, I should say. Antonio Ragarino from Verde, thank you very much for coming in. And thanks for your honesty, mate. Most Always. important. Honesty is the best policy. Pleasure. Totally. Thank you. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.